Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Actors with Issues, where we sit down and chat with the rising stars of TV, film, and Broadway and get some insight on the entertainment industry from the ground level and learn how to cope with some of the many issues that we as actors have to overcome. As always, I'm your host, Juan Ayala. Today, I'm joined by actor, writer, and director Leonard Zhang, who most recently appeared in the horror film Amityville Cop, How to Kill Your Roommates and Get Away With It, and the upcoming feature, Prey of Wrath, opposite the martial arts legend Cynthia Rothrock. Leonard, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Juan. Uh, So before we get started with our interview, we always start with a rapid fire round of questions. We call it getting to know you, and we always start with an easy one, coffee or tea? Tea. Uh, Drama or comedy? Drama. Film or television? Film. A hero or villain? I don't mind doing, I don't mind doing villain, but I, I don't mind doing both. So I'll say villain because uh, Shang-Chi, because I heard Shang-Chi 2 is out. And, uh, and right now it's like, oh, maybe I can get in there and try to get into the sequel and maybe try to kill uh, Shang-Chi. <laughs> try to, because he can't die. Uh, who is your dream co-star? I actually don't have any like celebrity crushes or role models or anything. Um, if anything, I, my, my co like co-stars, honestly, every time I see a celebrity or anything, I'm actually thinking, I rather just want to work with you. I rather just want to work with you. I don't want to be on the other side, like a fan, just like Googling them. Mm. I'd rather be like, Hey, let's be on camera. Let's do a scene. So honestly, it's, Pretty much anyone who who's a professional and, uh, you know, don't give a hard time on set, that kind of deal. We're just here to we're just here to do a job, that sort of thing. First. Oh, uh, let's say Sam Worthington. Oh, um, what is your most recent binge watch? I actually haven't seen anything b- binge worthy, except that for some reason I was watching Shang-Chi 12 times in theaters. Really? I don't know why. I don't know what came over me, but every time I'm thinking of going to the theater and like getting popcorn and everything, I'm just thinking, "Ooh, I do want to watch watch a fight scene from Shang-Chi again." It's like <laughs> it's like fast food. It's like McDonald's. It's like I suddenly just want it. I just crave it. Uh, what's a movie that never fails to make you laugh? I do like British comedies like uh Spaced. I would say Spaced because I haven't seen that. You've never seen space. It's like no. very early Edgar Wright, um, very early Simon Pegg. Super, super funny. I would say I would say that one every time I every time I watch something from it, it's like instant like laugh. Uh, if you could guest star on any TV show, which would you choose? Actually, not guest star. I want I want a sp- I would want a spot on Warrior. That's honestly right now the best currently the best representation for asian americans and it really really boggles my mind that they that that a lot of a lot of the people there can't speak proper cantonese and i can i was raised with um parents that are from guangzhou and pretty much i speak cantonese with my parents to this day uh so Leonard, so let's go back to the beginning uh how did you start your acting career when did all of that start for you i I think I probably had an acting bug back in middle school, but I never like went for it throughout high school and throughout college. And well, I went to UC Riverside for uh, creative writing for a BA in creative writing. I graduated and then I pretty much then I realized 
I, 22 years old back then, I was, I realized I don't want to sit at a desk during that, during this time of a time and age. I, I'm too active of a person. Mm-hmm. So hence, that's why I decided, like, I started deducing that, you know what, film work is still on the creative writing field and everything. And I do want to be active, active and like just on my feet, just doing stuff that that sort of deal. That's why I pursued it. I honestly didn't ex- didn't expect that I would like that the acting bug bug would come back and bite me full force. So I'd say I started I started doing acting at 2011 back back up in NorCal. Come 2015, I moved moved to Los Angeles to like okay. I really want to get serious because NorCal, uh, the gigs were too far and few in between. So 2015, I'm in Los Angeles paying rent, going for auditions or doing any production work, that sort of deal, or doing extra work, all of that jazz, just pretty much to just get in there, that sort of deal. And uh, that's what I've been doing up till now. Yeah. I feel you, man. I've been, I, for the first, maybe, I think starting like 2016 mm-hmm. to, I did background work very consistently for like two or three years. Um, and then once I got like my first rep and they were sending me for auditions, I was like, okay, that's time to, time to graduate ourselves and it's not like i'm booking left and right because i'm certainly not i've worked on two shows in four years yeah what's your experience been like working in film as opposed to like did you did you do you or did you want to get into television or it's just sort of whatever comes your way like you're fine with that or do you have like sort of some ultimate goal of like film franchise or a series regular on a show i think the goal for me right now is to is to get so is to get um well known that people will actually fly me to a destination to work for mm-hmm. stuff. Um, dream roles uh, or dream film of any kind would be like to work on um, work on an artsy UK production, um, uh, something like Beast or a Portrait of a Woman of a Lady on Fire. Those mm-hmm. kinds of mm-hmm. like art films, yeah, uh, per se. Um, warrior uh if warrior i would love to work on i would love to work on that on that show because i can speak cantonese and Mm. yeah um yeah warrior uk just pretty much to the point where i can actually travel so your most recent project uh which was just released is the horror film amityville cop Um, what can you tell us about that movie and what was your experience filming it it was a four-day shoot for me um Mm -hmm. pretty much uh it was done in two separate studios uh the director greg katanaka he works super fast so um Mm -hmm. Greg, he he pretty much knows how it's going to be filmed, how it's going to be done, how and he has like a dedicated team, team of every, of everyone that sort of deal. So we when we went through those scenes, it was super rapid fire. Like we just um, we pretty much have to get all of the all of it right in like the first two takes. Mm-hmm. So there is like no room for error because um he he 
he not only works very fast, but he also like has two movies like being filmed in the same studio, like at the same time. So it's like wow. very, it's like very, um, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's his, it's his unique style of like shooting. I would say it's his, his style. He shoots two to three movies at once in the, in the same film, in the same studio that sort of sort of deal and we have to like literally be on be on point and just mm. get through the scene like as fast as possible um so i would say this was it was good learning experience for me because it was because it was like okay you got to immediately get into the moment mm. Uh, there's no BS for, or uh, there's hardly little time of uh, of waiting for camera setups and lighting setups. Like they pretty much just set it up, start rolling, start rolling, and I literally just have to be in it like that. There was one take in the movie where I sort of flubbed, I sort of flubbed my line, but mm. it was the one take. It sort of worked, and they pretty much just said, "Okay, great, moving on." And it was like, "What?" really oh oh crap oh okay i'm a little concerned okay but all right yeah i when i when i saw the film i was like super nervous it's crazy the smaller sets move faster and the ones that you know are like network tv or whatever these like multi-million dollar budgets they got all the money. so slow i'm like that's why they move so slow i'm like they wanted to go into overtime and whatever but it's like there have been some sets that i work on i'm like what why are we what are we waiting for who are we waiting for? Everyone's here. Mm-hmm. Cameras are there. Everyone's here. What are we waiting for? Can we just go? Like, Jesus, if I'm ever number one on the call sheet, I'm like, we're going to have a five straight eight hour days, no overtime. Let's go, guys. Let's keep it moving. Yeah. They're all in a union. Let's not waste money. <laughs> so I have to pick your brain on, um because you, <laughs> you worked on a show that I actually legitimately watched, which is Blind Spot. Right. Yeah, you uh, work. By all means, go ahead. <laughs> um, so how did how did how was that one uh, in terms of like work environment? Like, um, pretty much by by fifth season, were they like well oiled machine, like you said? So it depends. So for me, I actually did background work on the show for pretty much the whole third season, mm-hmm. and it was I was a background like FBI slash lab tech. Mm-hmm. And then my role ended up being lab tech. And that's when I stopped doing background work. Cause I think they kind of told me like, you can't do background any work anymore. Cause you're now an established face. But um, when they were on the FBI set, which was all in just this massive studio, mm-hmm. it was well-oiled machine. Cause they know, they know the camera setups, they have their four to five principles that are mm-hmm. part of like the core team. And yeah. they know exactly what they've got to do They're You know, they've been doing it for three seasons at that point. To my understanding, because the show did have a lot of action on the days that were on location somewhere else, those days were so long. Remember the crew Mm -hmm. saying like, yeah, Friday, we didn't wrap till like 4 a.m. or whatever. They would go like 16 hours because they knew that on Friday, everyone was off for a couple of days so they could go extra long on Friday. They're not pushing their start time back for Saturday because they wouldn't work on Saturdays, obviously. Your um your your quick little scene in the in the series finale, uh, it happened in Times Square. How yeah, long? it did. Yeah, yeah. What was that like a late night or was that a it was. Oh god, I think I got home at 4 a.m. because we uh we had to wait for nightfall 
I think my call time was like 4 p.m. and it was early November. So it was just around this time that by like 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock, it's like dark out already. Um, so we had to wait until it was nighttime. We had to, you know, clear off a lot of Times Square. It was just a lot, a lot of moving parts that day too. Um, there... I didn't have any lines that day. That was the episode that I had no lines, but I was principal, but you know. Were there, um, were there like mixture of like re of like extras and real people like going through the, going through the city, that kind of deal? Um, no. So they had people, um, they had a lot of like PAs redirecting people, um, oh, saying like, Hey, wow. we're filming here, holding up signs like we're filming, please go that way. Otherwise you're going to be in the shot. You might get hit by a car or a camera at that point. It's like, you know, that's, that's something uh, that, um, that makes <laughs> I, I'm just remembering 4 p.m. call time. I remember working um, working on the Marvel movie Venom. I did a location PA for that. That um, nice. Cool. Yeah, I um, they were filming um, the scenes where where Tom Hardy is on the motorcycle, like speeding through Chinatown, being pursued mm-hmm. by cops. Uh, I was I was there for like three to f- three to four nights. Um, and basically my job was to also the same thing, like tell people, tell people uh, who were, who are actually some Chinese residents. I have to tell them in Cantonese, like, Hey, you can't, um, don't go here because we're mm-hmm. filming something dangerous, which is pretty, which is pretty true because it was, um, it was a motorcycle like speeding down Chinatown in San Francisco. But I, looking back, I remember those night shoots very fondly. But that's where that's where the real work is is in. That's where it's at. Um, honestly, I would love to, I would love to experience that, and then I'll, and then afterwards I'll be like, oh yeah, it was, it was rough, but we're getting our dues in. That sort of deal, which is sort of the, which is sort of the same for Amityville Ville Cop. Even though it was four days, they were like rapid firing through. They were rapid firing through two movies. Uh, the lead, our lead, Jason Toller, he was basically the lead in two movies, and he basically had um, two movies worth of script that he had to get down in like a week. Yeah, I have to say uh, that's why I'm saying a shout out to him because he was hmm. doing two. He was doing two different characters, and all I had to do was just one one character that goes through an arc. Um, so one of your other uh, one of your upcoming projects is the feature um, "Prey of Wrath," and you got to work with Cynthia Rothrock. Um, what can you share about that experience? That one is actually that one "Prey of Wrath" was actually filmed before Amityville Cop. Um, uh-huh. It's just currently in post production. Um, my director. Uh, my director, uh, Doug Toshio- Toshioka, I think that's how you mm-hmm. pronounce his last name. Um, he came up with a concept of a Russian, of a Russian assassin um, that decided to come to U.S. to um, come to U.S. to seek revenge, um, though because the villains actually have uh, nuclear missiles that threatens to destroy Los Angeles. Surprise! Surprise! Mm-hmm. And Cynthia Rothrock uh, tasks me, um, as tasks me, uh, Jackson Yip, to go and find Ludmilla, the Russian spy, so that we can mm. go to go to find 
find the villains and uh and stop the stop the nuclear missiles from uh basically confiscate the nuclear missiles that kind of deal and there mm-hmm. is action involved not to give away that much but yes i do have uh i do have scenes with uh, cynthia rothrock and um we there was one day where we had to where 14 hour day where i had to go through pretty much like five scenes all rapid fire same thing with uh, amityville cop we just hit the scenes all rapid fire and pray for the best so i'm also nervous about how that i am very excited because that was actually the very first role um that doug toshioka and benny tahandra gave me that Mm. was like when i read the script i was like holy crap this this is basically a role a dream role and it's it's rare for me i'm i was excited and everything so i was like I, I'm gonna put 110 percent to this to this. Yeah. yeah, this was an opportunity. this was an uh, this was a role of a lifetime for me. And awesome. it's fingers crossed because it's still in editing and everything. who knows? Uh, fingers crossed that it actually comes out next year and gets a premiere and everything. Hopefully COVID mm-hmm. subsides and we actually can attend attend the premiere and like just, yeah, uh, really, fingers crossed. There are some some people you mentioned specifically. I don't have that um, written down, but yeah. what can you sort of share about about that mindset of of wanting to continue to collaborate with the same people? Because I feel like it's very much a binary sort of mindset. Some folks are like they don't want to work with the same people. They want to move on, quote unquote, move up or whatever. It's all it's it's I think it's kind of a silly mindset to to think that way, really. My, like, don't you all want to come up together. So yeah, well, what can you share about that? My parents uh taught me when I was a kid is um the proverb is to um ride ride a cow to find a horse. Uh so mm-hmm. if you use um so uh, it's the same deal as how Tim Burton would frequently collaborate with um, Helena Bonham Carter and Johnny Depp, or how mm-hmm. Wong Kar Wai would frequently collaborate with um, Tony Leung and and uh, Maggie Chen. That was that was her. That was how you pronounce her name. It's the same thing. Um, my frequent collaborator was uh, Robbie Diaz, um, who I met during who I met while I was doing uh, fight scenes on Eric Jacobus's uh, Robodope 2, which is a fight scene. I also, I also do stunts, that sort of deal, mm. uh, that sort of thing. Um, and we just kept in touch. And now Robbie Diaz is like doing producing work and directing work for his own like uh, horror features, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, he, pre- and he frequently cast me, which, I have to stress that I am very grateful for for just just being able to work, even just being able to work, being able to act, even though um, even though most of the most of the productions like they're they're little to no pay. That's just for me. That's just a sacrifice. I rather just have an acting role that I can use to beef up my demo reel to find to right. find someone that has the cash to you know make so that I can make a living off of it that sort of that sort of thing um robbie eventually met 
Pat, Pat and I also uh, befriended Pat Cusinati and the film How to Kill Your Roommates and Get Away With It is actually a horror comedy in, and this one's particularly special to me in that I, I got my first straight sex scene. <laughs> my next, next thing I have to do for New Year's resolution next year is uh, to do a gay sex scene. So in terms of, of, of creating a name for yourself, you've certainly been working toward that in, in establishing yeah. your film career. Um, but what can you share about your goals and maybe some advice on others like you who are looking to do the same? Um, for us, uh, Asian Americans, we're, we're just starting out. Uh, it, it wasn't till a couple decades, a few, no, fewer than that, a few years ago that we're, we Asian men are, we Asian men in media tends to be desexualized and the Asian women are always over-sexualized. There was, an, right. which is, I, I saw that on a YouTube video and it, it boils me, it boils me to the core. Hmm. Um, the only cool thing we Asian men, men usually can get is uh, martial artists, triad. Those are the cool stuff that we can get right. otherwise we're always typecast into asexual nerd which is which is kind of which is kind of what happened to me in amityville cop i am grateful for the project and everything but that character was oh boy yeah that character was everything that i don't want to do but at the end of the day i rather just do that and and go do something that i that I that is like true to me or um that's something that I want to express myself differently because I've done the action films the the fight scenes I've uh, often collaborated with Darren Holmquist uh, we just released um a short little fight scene that I um that I did I'm all geared up in tactical gear all badass all macho that that sort of deal I personally like to do something that's opposite of that um going from the tactical tactical macho masculine kind of kind of roles to doing something like maybe sensitive like lgbtq roles um someone that can't a regular man someone that can't do martial arts that sort of thing there was a scene in there um that uh there was a scene in amityville cop um where basically I literally encountered the demons. A little bit of trivia, I actually was reacting to nothing. Uh, the the actor, the actor who was playing the demon cop, he was still in makeup. So basically I had to find an eyeline and literally gratefully I, I was able to see him in full makeup prior. So I knew what I was okay. reacting to. So I basically saw. So I basically like uh, in I turn around and he was there and I was basically like pretty much crying for my crying and like, OK, I got to do what I, I should do, what I do to to like join him because I don't want to die. That kind of thing. I'm still I still have a lot of work to do as an act as as a working actor. Hey everyone, it's Juan here. If you're enjoying this week's episode so far, please subscribe to the podcast wherever it is that you're listening and head over to Instagram at Actors with Issues and give us a follow. It really helps us out with getting sponsorships and booking some higher profile guests. If you have any friends or family that are actors and may want to hear advice from those who are in the thick of it, please recommend the show to them too. 
And if you guys have any questions for future guests, you can leave those in the comments on any of our Instagram posts, and we'll be sure to include those in our next interview. Thank you all so, so much for your constant support. Now, let's get back to the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There's always a lot we haven't done. There's a lot we want to do that we haven't had the chance to yet. I would love to play a young lawyer. I want to play like young cutthroat lawyer. I want to play a gay character with some depth. I've played like gay characters in like a in a comedy and it was one quick bit. So, you know, there wasn't much complexity to add. But I only played a gay character once in uh for a book trailer. And I want to do something. Oh really? That was it. That was the only thing. Um and I, same thing, I do want to play a gay character with gay sex, of course, <laughs> and, uh, and basically have some depth and, uh, and just be able to be vulnerable. That's, mm. that's a very, that's something that is very rare for, for us Asian men is that we, we don't really get to express a vulnerable side, express that we do have weaknesses i think there was one movie spa night that that um that tackled that sort of subject um and there was also this sean baker movie takeout yeah i've seen mm-hmm. i've seen all the those like obscure asian american uh uh movies chan is missing i'm okay i'm okay to joy luck club that sort of deal so i think that's why i watched shang chi like 12 times was because it's actually entertaining. Uh, so it's time to wrap things up with our final segment that we call Now That We Know You, since we've gotten to chat uh, okay. for so long. It's now a final round of random grab bag questions uh, that'll dig a little deeper and make you think. Uh, so don't worry about timing. It's not rapid fire okay. this time. Um, so we'll start with, do you consider yourself lucky? Yes, very Especially the, I, I am, I, like I said, I'm very grateful for Prey of Wrath. I'm grateful to have, to have Amityville Cop. Those are two of the biggest, biggest things that any actor, any actor in my, would want that would want. Those are, yeah. Amityville Cop was pretty much the second hugest thing that I've ever done. And Prey of Wrath um, is, when it comes out, uh, how it cuts together and everything, I'm like, fingers crossed, fingers crossed it comes out because I, there was a film that I did where there was a film that I did um, with my frequent, I had a fight scene with my frequent collaborator, Darren Holmquist. Um, it, we filmed it. We filmed it out in the desert. We filmed the fight scene, a great, very, our best fight scene yet. And the director passed away from COVID. No way. Oh my God. And that, that was crippling. That was crippling. We don't even know if the film is ever going to be released now because it's not, it's not a major blockbuster film. It's, uh, it's indie and pretty much when the director died that, 
we don't even yeah. we don't even know what's going to happen at this rate yeah oh yeah. my gosh that hasn't even like occurred to me oh man i'm sorry yeah That's i really like fingers crossed nothing happens and the film comes out for us for indie for an indie film when it um if someone who is basically the heart and soul dies it pretty much yeah, yeah all our efforts just go to vain wow. good i don't know it's really unfortunate what do you see as a downside to being famous i have a sense that it would be privacy because there are things and we you know we keep to ourselves it's some things it's none of our business as long as we're not hurting anybody that sort of deal hmm. that sort of thing um yeah <laughs> Uh, I would say downside to being famous would be privacy just goes out the window. Is there a role that got away, one that you wished you booked that you unfortunately didn't? I've auditioned for TV roles. Um, I would love to have gotten those so that, you know, beef up, beef up the resume and just hmm. keep basically, yeah, each year I just want to keep going a step further and hmm. uh, and like just like step it up because we're in our 30s we don't got time we don't our 20s was like yeah we were still figuring things out and everything but 30s is sort of like the i i nickname it the season two of our lives <laughs> that's when it's I like okay you got you got something you got something set you know you kind of have an idea what you have to do now we just gotta each year i just want to step it up hmm. Or do something I like that perspective of seeing it as like season two, because, you know, with most shows, second season, it's like they're finding their footing. It's a little bit more exciting. Mm -hmm. You know, they've they've found their audience. So, yeah, it's an interesting way of looking at it. I like that. Uh, if it's not season two, it would be like season three is like <laughs> pretty much pretty much. Well, I the show that you worked on blind spot. I when I first saw it first season and everything, it was very clunky and it was very clunky. And then by mm -hmm. season two, season two was considered their best season. Yeah. In my I opinion. Agree. Yeah. Because I, I, I was a fan of the show before I ever worked on it. And I totally agree. Season one was really cool. And it was like the number one drama of that mm -hmm. season. Um, but season two was definitely like, yeah, things were like more interesting. A lot of the whole stuff family were, aspect of everything was added a lot, you know? Yeah. The, what was behind the tattoos and everything everything was starting to yeah. unravel <clears throat> and and it was leading to something very very exciting which yeah pretty much paid off for season two of blind spot uh so our last question is uh in 10 words or less what advice would you give to a young actor i got the similar question i got the similar question before um mm -hmm. i was asked uh if i were to give advice for any other Asian American, Asian American actors and everything. And my biggest one is be your own Asian. Hmm. Be your own person. Do something that is close to you. Because for me, I how I want to go moving forward. Um, yeah, I've done the stunts. I've done tactical gear, military training, military like those kind of roles. Um, mm -hmm. those kinds of actions and stunts, um, that sort of deal. But at the same time, I want to do something that contrasts that for me, just do things for me. I'm trying to do things that we don't often see Asian Americans do. So it would be doing Shakespeare, 
Asian mm. Asians doing Shakespeare, uh, Asians playing monsters or zombies, um, just something that doesn't have to like, you know, thing, things that just make us unique, each person unique and not, not be part of a sheep or willingly be a black sheep. Yeah. Uh, Leonard, thank you so much for, for joining us on the show today. Um, where can people find you on social media if they want to give you on follow, like on Instagram? I have a link tree, link tree slash Leonard Zhang 03711, all one word. Awesome. And you can follow us on Instagram at Actress with Issues. Give me a follow at Hwaniala Official. And if you enjoyed today's episode, of course, please don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you're listening and catch new episodes on our new release day every Monday. I'm Hwaniala. This is Actress with Issues, and we'll see you next week.